is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. I thank you that you came to save us from our sin. You came to save us from generational sin. You came to save us from our generational burden of lifestyle and choices and culture that's demeaning to the glorious gospel. And I pray now, O Lord, in your holy name, that your blood will come and cleanse each and every one of us. I pray that that your Holy Spirit will bring to mind our foolishness and our misunderstandings of your glorious truth, that once again we'll be able to walk like the apostles did, in power, in truth, with discernment, with the scripture being our guiding force, confirming to us what you're calling us to do. Give us the courage to, to challenge ways that are not true, no matter how long they've been there. Give us the courage, Lord, to be able to stand firm in what you have whispered to us and not be swayed by the screaming of lies. Father, we're living in a world where we need to be built up in every way. And first and foremost, O oh Lord, we need this beautiful good news that you came to set sinners free. So I pray that in this room where your children sit, let not one person leave this morning without having come face to face with this beautiful, powerful truth of what you've done for us on this cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, essential joy overcomes crippling shame. I'm excited to bring this word with you because it stretches me. It causes me to wonder what God could do in your life when this truth is applied. Shame is a feeling associated with but not limited to failure, public exposure, disgrace, embarrassment, social rejection, ridicule, and dishonor. Shame. In this room, if I were to ask how many of you guys struggle with shame, not many hands will go up because it's something that you don't want to deal with publicly. Few people will. Praise God for that. Shame has played a big role in society. People use shame to keep things under control because when your deeds is exposed and shame is brought on your name, your reputation is torn down and you cannot walk with your head held high anymore. And people over years have used shame as a means to keep control. Teachers use it in classroom, coaches use it in sports teams, uh, parents use it at homes. Um, sadly, it's seeped into religion and religious leaders use it to keep the flock in, 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 you know, to keep youth, be like, hey, you can't do that, and shameful for you, and women, you can't do that, shameful for you, and shame is seeped into this. But then, there are some people who violate, who break the law, who do stupid stuff, but they don't get caught. <laughs> okay, maybe you're here. Okay, I want to talk to you. And just because you don't get caught, you walk around like as if you have no shame, right? And you're like, hey, you know, I didn't do anything wrong, and, but you know you did. Okay? And so outside, you're praying, you're healing people, and you're leading worship, and you're preaching, and, and you go back home, and you put your head on your, on, your, on your pillow, and what comes knocking on the door? Shame. And, 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 and you might live 20 years ignoring the shame and, and just justifying the shame, but look at what the Bible says, and, and, and I want to do something that typically we don't do in church. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. Can you please humor the pastor, point to your heart when I read this, search the heart, please, and, and point to your mind, and test the mind. So he searches the heart, he tests the mind. He searches the heart, he tests the mind. He searches your heart, he tests your mind. I want you to get this. You can be running from your shame and hiding your shame, and your parents don't know about your shame, your pastor doesn't know about your shame, your boyfriend, your girlfriend doesn't know about shame, but the Lord searches the heart and tests the mind to give to every man and women 
according to his ways or her ways, according to the fruits of his deeds. So you can run from shame, you can hide your shame, but God sees it. And he knows what's hidden in the dark. And I told you, I want to do something that we don't normally do in church. I want you to feel the weight of your shame this morning. Ah. And you're like, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I know. But, but for you to no longer be a slave, you've got to confront it. Okay. I'm sorry if I'm taking too long in building this, but this is important. We can't just go over this quickly because freedom is something that you have to foresee what you're being freed from. Uh, how many times have you gone to pray and you're like, Jesus, forgive me for all the sins that I did and the sins that I did knowingly and unknowingly. And God's like, stop it. Name it. Put your finger on it and call it out. There are actions that only you know. And all this while, you didn't want to admit that God knows it. And every time you admit that God knows it, you want to just brush it off as like, but he's a gracious God. But he's a forgiving God. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Absolutely, he is. And we'll get to that. But I want you to know the gospel overcomes crippling shame. And if you are sitting over here and you're still carrying that baggage of shame, I want you to know that you've not embraced the true gospel. Because the gospel has to deal with the shame. Because in the place of shame, God wants to put something else. Are you ready for a beautiful promise from God? You guys are, so I'll talk to you, okay? I'm playing favorites now, right? Look at this. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 7. Dear God, this is amazing. Instead of your shame. Oh, great. Oh, so, okay, great, great. So the gospel is going to change something, and instead of shame, something is going to take its place. I wonder what it could be. Bacon? No. They were Jewish. They didn't eat that stuff. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. A double portion of what? Of blessing. Okay, I don't know about you, man. If you want to be all humble and be like, I don't want blessing, I'll take your share, okay? Double portion of blessing. Some of you, you're too scared for God to bless you. You know why? It's because of your shame. It's because you are like, I don't deserve it, man. Because you haven't taken it to Jesus. Because you're still trying to deal with your shame and spraying Axe deodorant spray smelling like a teenager. Take it to Jesus, man. Take it to Jesus. So instead of shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their land, rejoice in their Lord. I don't know how many of you guys go back home and instead of dishonor, instead of hanging your head in shame, you jump for joy saying, man, I know I've screwed up. I know I messed up. I know I wasn't a good example, but the gospel has taken away my shame and its place, it's put joy. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion, twice double portion. So do the math. They shall have everlasting joy. So instead of shame, the gospel will give you joy. It removes shame and replaces it with joy. It gets better. Look at this, what it looks like in real life. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We know this verse really well, but let it take it in its context, out of the text and into the text of your life. Paul is looking back on the day when he traded all that he was, all the shame and all the crazy failures of his life. He traded all of that for all that Jesus was. And even though that happened many years ago, he's still living under the same covering of the gospel. He knows that he's not living for the applause or the approval of men, but of God. It is for me to live, man. It's Christ. I'm not going to live because, see, when you're trying to hide your shame, really what you're doing is you're trying to find the approval of men. You're saying, I want to hide this stuff so that you will respect me. I'm going to hide my failures so that you will think better of me. I'm going to hide this stuff so you'll give me opportunities that this you know, would, would pretty much get in the way if you knew about it. But the Bible tells us that, listen, in the gospel, you don't have to hide anything because he takes away the shame. 
And Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ. I'm not going to live for you. I'm going to live for... I'm not going to live for what you think of me. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm not going to lead worship to impress you. I'm going to lead worship to praise Jesus. I'm not going to preach to impress you. I'm going to preach to impress Jesus. I'm not going to go walk into the road to impress my friends and my neighbors. I'm going to walk and talk to impress my king. And then he says, to die is gain. What kind of a fool would say to die is gain? Only a fool has embraced the gospel. Because dying is typically not gain for a person in the world. I like how the apostle John he echoes what Paul is writing. He says, and now little children, abide in him. In other words, embrace the gospel. In other words, be covered under the beautiful blood of Jesus. Let, let, let his glorious truth, let his blood cover your shame. Abide in him so that when he appears, you may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. I want to ask you a question. If you were to stand before Jesus right now, if he were to come right now, I hope you wouldn't have to hang your head in shame because you know that he knows all those areas in your life where you failed. You know, you know what? Oftentimes in parenting, in Christian homes, and if you're a parent, maybe this is something that God will change in you. Often we, 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 we want to shame our children into doing the right things. And oftentimes, being a youth pastor, I've seen a lot of Christian kids that grow up with shame. Shame does not come from God. Conviction comes from God. Jesus said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save them from condemnation. The children do a good job of condemning themselves already. Our job is to save them from shame and saying, hey, I know you failed, but look to Jesus. And confess it to him now so that as he's appearing, you wouldn't have to shrink in shame. You can live a life free. Someone's got to get excited about that, okay? It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, yes, we are of good courage. Oh my gosh, I love this. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul is saying, listen, man, I'm not scared to stand before Jesus, not because I've been a good person. My good has outweighed my bad. I will shake his hand. I will look him in the eye and be like, hey, my name is Steve, right? I had a friend named Steve who actually said that to me. And I was like, man, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. Paul says, to be absent the body is to be present with the Lord. And man, I long for that. I look forward to that. Why is that? It's because the shame was dealt with. And the place of shame, there was joy. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. By the way, man, I can't wait to teach you the book of Romans. It's been uh, giving me some amazing nuggets of joy. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. In other words, to put it in a nutshell, he says the gospel does not put you to shame. When you come to Jesus, he doesn't shame you. When you bring your past to him, he doesn't say, oh my gosh, what a lousy soul. Hey, we need more blood on this guy, man. You know, aisle three, mess up. The gospel does not put you to shame. Instead, it saves you from your shame. David got this even in the Old Testament. In Psalm 25, verse 2, he says, Oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. If you're struggling with crippling shame, it's very simple this morning. I want you to respond to the gospel. Sure, you might have called yourself a Christian for many years, 20 years, 30 years, but the new life in Jesus through his death and resurrection removes all your shame of your past sins. This is a very bold claim that I'm making this morning. In fact, I almost wish that I could end the message right over here because I think this is, this is the, the majority of you sitting over here need to respond to this this morning. Yes, you love Jesus. Yes, you spend time in his word. Yes, you come to church. But why are you carrying your baggage of shame with you? 
It's okay if your deeds are brought to the light. It's okay if you get outed out. Deal with the shame at the cross. And you will have nothing to worry about because it will take your shame and turn it to joy. And I want to warn you, believers, we're going to get the next thing, but I want to warn you, many of you, you're going to lose your friends. You're going to be very alone. And I've said this for many, many, many months, and it didn't make sense to you, and finally it's going to make sense to you. The Christian life is a lonely life. You're going to sit alone in your house and cry and say, I have no friends. I cannot tell you how many times my wife has cried to me saying how lonely we feel. And I've told you this, when you walk through the Death Valley, it's not like you're alone. There are many people around, but what you have to walk through is what you have to walk through. And God will walk you through that to show you that He is the only one who can comfort you because His name is the Comforter. What are you going to do with your shame? Are you going to go back carrying your bags of shame? Because the Bible tells me that when you take your shame to Jesus, He removes your shame, He cleans your conscience, He prepares you to die, and He will never put you to shame. Paul says, it's my eager expectation and hope. This is Philippians chapter 1 verse 20. It's my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So something takes the place of shame, which is joy. And now, this joy is not just something that you hold on to. You see, when someone's joyful, have you ever seen someone and you're like, what's that smile off your face? What are you smiling at? You seen that? You're like, what are you so happy? You guys are smiling back at me because I'm smiling. Right? I mean, th- today I was, I was, man, I got you like 10 minutes before church started. I know, right? Terrible. I'm an Indian. Forgive me, okay? <laughs> See, I'm going to be like Paul. I'm, like, I'm an American citizen, but whenever it's necessary, I have to say I'm an Indian too. Like, yeah? We call it the Indian stretchable time. No, I was spending time with Jesus and I didn't feel right to leave, leaving him on hold and be like, God, I got to go preach, so talk to you later, Jesus. You know? <laughs> no, it don't work that way. He's not my little rag doll, but like, hey, let's get a little leash, come on. Come on, come on. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, no, that, that's pretty much, I, th- I, think, I think he dragged me in here with him. Okay, I think it's the other way around. Levi, we got to edit that little banter. Okay, anyways. I love this church, man. So great what God is doing. So what takes the place of shame is joy. And this joy not only brings a smile on your face, it produces this crazy courage. Join us this Sunday at the Living Church Boise. Service and address can be found on our website, www.thelivingchurchboise.com. Visit our website for service times and address.